Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio.
no turning back. No turning back. Hallelujah. Good evening, everyone. It's your sister Pearl here. It's wonderful to be back with you, our global listening audience in every continent except perhaps Antarctica, where we know that at least 66 scientific stations are present there. So hopefully one day Reaching Out Radio can be there as well. And perhaps Antarctica may be the only place without any case of COVID-19, at least up until March the 20th, and hopefully they still have no cases of the virus. A special shout out this evening to my dear brother Eve, you know who you are, and God bless Evangelist Montel Fields, who is the director and the visionary behind Reaching Out Radio. Thank you, woman of God, for inviting me uh, to a broadcast once again. I want to greet every one of you that are listening tonight or whenever you happen to be listening in. I greet you in the name above every other, the name of Jesus. I've missed you, but God is great. I took a bit of a sabbatical, but I'm back again with you once again. Now, if you've listened to some of my previous broadcasts, you've heard me use the term unprecedented. Well, if those days were unprecedented, the world do we say about these days. But let me just, before I get into the message and the word that God has given me for you uh, at this time, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, what an awesome God you are. So great. There is none like you. You even said about yourself that there is no other God you know of none. And that's because there is no other Savior besides you. And we just bow before you and we thank you for your love and your kindness, your mercy, your grace, your goodness, all of the wonderful ways that you express your love for us each and every day, each and every night, Lord God. Just thank you so very, very much. I pray that uh, this uh, broadcast, you will get all of the honor, you will get all of the glory, you will get all of the praise. Lord, this is it. This is done to your honor. And uh, you said, if I be lifted up, that I will draw all manner of men and women unto myself. And that's talking about drawing people to you, Jesus. And that's what we want. We want to see uh, hearts turn to you, Father, in the mighty name of your son, Jesus. I pray that you will dispel all darkness from people's minds, uh, dispel distraction, anything that would hold them back from receiving what you have given me for your people. I am not important, but your word is so important. I pray that you will captivate our hearts and help us to understand what it is you want us to, to know in this critical time that we are yet alive. And so be honored in everything that's said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. So I really sensed that the Lord would have me to speak directly to what is laying heavily on the mind and hearts of so many of us in this hour, and that is the present year, the beginning of an entirely new decade in the 21st century, 2020. At the close of 2019, 
most of us were excitedly looking forward to 2020, and there was talk in so many Christian circles about how this year we would have greater vision, we would have double prophetic vision, and yet the changes which have occurred in 2020 came on us rather suddenly. And one day, we were free of the threat of coronavirus, and yet it felt as if it were almost overnight that we were sheltered in place, uh, quarantined. We were wearing masks, still are wearing masks, so many of us, and were made to observe social insane. I wish I had the time to get into a lot about this pandemic, but I really don't. We only have an hour and only about 15 minutes left of that hour, as it has to do with the crisis that we all find ourselves in, but not that much. Then there is the George Floyd merciless murder, which would have usually uh, stayed more nationally. However, his tragedy has gone global, and people in most continents denounced his murder by protesting worldwide. Now, what I believe the Lord would have me to do this evening is to speak specifically to those who believe in and confess in following Jesus Christ. Why? Because Christ promised to never leave or forsake us. Once we are his children, we are to represent him on the earth and be his salt and light in an increasingly dark world. And what the Bible in Philippians 2.15 exhorts us to conduct ourselves, um, Paul writes that you may be blameless, innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Some translations read, crooked, perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So in dealing with what we are all experiencing, I believe it would be fair to say that you and I, specifically our world, is in a crisis. And so I'm going to speak tonight on Christ in the midst of crisis, or Christ right in the middle of a crisis. So let's just look at the word crisis, and let's look at the definition for the word crisis. Crisis means, for better or worse, in an acute disease or fever. Many of us, when we go to visit somebody in the hospital, or even if we have an appointment with the doctor before we can even go to whatever department that it is, they will take our temperature. We've never had this kind of experience before. Um, this is something that's new to us within the past six months, that as, 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 as soon as we get into a hospital or even a clinic, they're going to take our temperature. So we're, we're in a crisis. Okay, so that's one definition for the meaning of crisis, the turning point for better or worse in an acute disease or fever. Second one is a paroxysmal, a par, a par, an attack of pain. A, a paras, I, I knew how to say the word before, but it's an attack of pain or distress or disordered function. And then a third one is an emotionally 
significant event or radical change of status in a person's life, like, for instance, a midlife crisis. Many men go through midlife crises, and some, some women experience a midlife crisis. Uh, all of a sudden, they're not happy in their marriage, even though they were married for 20, 25 years, but now they're experiencing a midlife crisis, and they want out, or they're confused. Men and women experience that sometimes. Not everybody, but a lot of people do. Then there's the other meaning for crisis is um, the decisive moment. Uh, for instance, the crisis of the play occurs in, for instance, Act 3. There's that decisive moment, and it, it, it's going to go either one way or the other. Another meaning for crisis is an unstable or crucial time or state of affairs in which a decisive change is impending, especially one with the distinct possibility of a highly undesirable outcome. For instance, a financial crisis, the nation's energy crisis, for example. And then another one is a situation that has reached a critical phase, like the environmental crisis, the unemployment crisis, that's all considered crises. Here goes a very clear definition of the word crisis. Turning point or a difficult or dark time when disasters are happening or when tough decisions must be made. Now, you and I are right now faced time of crisis. And it's not just in America. It's global. China experienced it first, and then it went global with this whole coronavirus and pandemic. Now, I had the entire Old Testament base this type of a message on about Christ in the midst of crisis. But interestingly enough, I sensed the Holy Spirit lead me to rather just use a short text within three of the Gospels. Now, the story that I'm going to, to use to base this whole text off of is found in three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And this is when the Lord calms, the Lord Jesus calms the storm. It's a very simple yet very profound text in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There are three basic principles that we glean from the story that I think is so appropriate to this present hour. So let's just take a look. I'm going to jump a little bit ahead, and I'm going to look at Mark first. And this story is found in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. It reads like this. Day when evening came, he said to his disciples, he meaning Jesus, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. They took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern. This is key. This is why I'm also using this version of the story given to us by Mark. Jesus was in the stern, 
Now, the stern means the rear. It keeps the water out. That's the part of the boat that keeps the water out. But going back to verse 38, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Verse 39, he got up, Jesus, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, remember tonight, I'm speaking about Christ in the midst of crisis. Christ in the middle of the crisis. Christ in the midst of crisis. There are three things that I want us to look at. Transition, following Jesus, and being fearless. Again. Transition, follow, fearless. That day, evening came, it says in the Gospel of Mark. Matthew does not mention the time of day that Jesus got into the boat. But in the Gospel, that's why it's so good. When you have a story repeated in two or three Gospels, it is so wonderful to look at every version of that story. So it is Mark's gospel who tells us that day when evening came, and I'm going to speak now to you prophetically, you and I that belong to Jesus, we are in the evening. We're in the evening time. Listen well. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and then the apostle Peter said it again in 2 Peter chapter 3, and finally, John the Beloved told us in two different chapters of Revelation, chapter 3 and again chapter 16, that the Lord would return as a thief, that Mark tells us the time that Christ got into the boat with his disciples following him. It was evening. I'm speaking to you that have ears to hear. Listen carefully. It is not night yet. I don't care what else you've been hearing. It is not nighttime yet. But we have approached the beginning of the evening. Hear me, men and women of God. You and I have approached the beginning of the evening. I feel the spirit of God right now. Now, I'm going to read the story as it's given by, according to Matthew, Matthew chapter 8, verses 23, and going down to verse 27. This is Matthew's version. Then he got into the boat. And his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. 
the disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. I'm saying to you prophetically, we are transitioning. How can I say that? The disciples and Jesus, they went from one place to another place. And that's why they got into It is transition time, people of God. Please do not think or speak of going back or even wanting to go back to business as usual. Reality check is that we are not going back to everything exactly as it was before 2020. The disciples got into the boat with Jesus. Make sure that you are in Jesus's boat, or in other words, in the same boat as Jesus. Matthew tells us that there were other boats, but we know that they were at least going in the same direction. Listen to me now. They were going in the same direction as Jesus's boat, because obviously not all the people that were following Jesus, except his own 12 disciples could have gotten into the size boat that he was getting into. So now this is key. Make sure, make certain that you are going in the direction that Jesus is going. He leads, you follow. The question is, who are you And I'm speaking to you now. I'm not talking about the people in the boat right now. I'm speaking to you that are listening to this message at whatever time that you're listening to. Speaking directly to you. Put your name in this. Who are you following in this critical hour? Whose boat are you in? Because whether we want to or not, we are making transition. That's without any doubt. The whole world has transitioned. It's not a matter if you want to transition or if you don't want to transition. That is out of your hand. That is out of my hand. We are transitioning. Who are you following as you're making the transition? Because, again, I repeat, we are transitioning. And for the Christians that I'm speaking to, evening time. Not quite nighttime yet. Jesus is coming back as a thief in the night. That's what it, we, we read about in First Thessalonians chapter 5. So, but we're already in the evening. When evening comes, soon follows right behind that. Okay, so transition is here. We're talking about three things in this message, Christ in the midst of crisis. We're talking about 
transition. We're talking about and following. Following, hopefully you're following Jesus. And we're talking about being fearless. Now listen to this. I happen to be speaking to you tonight from coronavirus's epicenter pandemic, and that's New York City, unfortunately. So the New York governor, Andrew Cuomo, told everybody in New York, when the COVID numbers began to go down, he said that God had nothing to do with the numbers decreasing when they began to decrease, even though there were hundreds of thousands of Christians praying to God that the numbers would go down. But he said, our governor said, that God had absolutely nothing to do with the numbers going down. He said that faith had nothing to do with it. Destiny had nothing to do with it. Okay? And he even uh, had, well, I don't think he had his brother, but his brother, Chris Cuomo, who is a newscaster and is on the television on a weekly basis, if not daily, he said as recently as July the 1st, Chris Cuomo, who is Catholic, said that, quote, unquote, you don't need help from above. It's within us. So what was he saying? He was pointing to God and heaven, and he said, we don't need help from above. It's within us. And then going back to his big, who is the governor, Andrew Cuomo, Andrew also said uh, in previous years, he said that anybody who's pro-life is not really welcome in New York. Now, of course, I was born and raised in New York, and there are many people that were born and raised in New York, and some people have relocated to New York. But our governor told us that if we are pro-life, we're not welcome in our own state. I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. This is not a matter of being political. I'm not interested in political parties. I really am not. The only party that I want to belong to is Jesus' party. I am not being funny. I want to vote when I go into the voting booth. I'm taking the Lord Jesus with me. I'm not asking him to please remain outside Holy Spirit, you stay outside while I go in and vote however I want to vote. I'm not interested in your political party. I'm not interested in any kind of party affiliation because they all have problems. But I am interested in in God. I am interested in him watching every move that I make. and And I am interested to transition where he is taking me to. Mark's gospel tells us very specifically that leaving, verse 36, it it says it exactly like this, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was. Who is the he that this is referring to in Mark's gospel? It's talking about Jesus. 
his disciples left the crowd behind and took him, Jesus, just as he was in the boat. At this critical time, you and I must be willing to leave the crowd behind just like the disciples did and take Jesus just as he is. This is not the day to try to sanitize the gospel, to try to change or bend the gospel, or try to change biblical understanding of who Jesus is so that you can accommodate the world and be pleasing to the world. But this is the time to leave the crowd behind and take him, Jesus, as he is, Go with him in the boat and cross to the other side. In this hour, Jesus is asking the true remnant church, the men and the women of God that really love God, to be willing to go with him as he's crossing us over to the other side. This is the time I can hear, just like in the days of Moses, when Moses went up to meet with God and and, and to hear God's instructions. But then the people of Israel began to go astray, and they began to worship false gods. Moses came back. He asked the people of Israel, who is on the Lord's side? And then he made a clear division. If you're, if you're on God's side, you come over here with me. And if you're not on God's side, well, then you go over there on the other side because you're going to get something real soon. But there was a clear division between who was on God's side and who was not. Please allow me to mention a bit about the George Floyd outrage and protest. Someone asked me the following question. What should the church do in times of injustice in a biblically sound way? Now, while I totally understand this person's question, it's a good question. And I think that this question, uh, even though this particular person um, asked this question, this question has been aired many times among God's people. It's been asked. But there's a problem, a little problem with the question itself because of the context of this inquiry. I'm going to ask a question before I even answer the question. So here goes my question. When is there ever a time in history when there isn't injustice taking place? When in history do we know of any time when there is not injustice happening? I don't believe injustice will disappear off the face of the earth until Christ returns and judges the world and each one of us individually. There's always injustice going on. So the question, what should the church do in times of injustice in a biblically sound way? Let me tell you something. George Floyd's murder was not just the only time that day that injustice took place. Any 
time that children are being sexually abused by whether it's a parent, an adult, another child, whatever pervert, that is extreme injustice. When a child is developing in the womb of his or her mother and the abortionist goes in to the mother's womb with a knife or forceps or a vacuum or saline solution to burn the child or goes in with some other instrument to crush the child. That is extreme injustice that is taking place. When somebody is being treated unfairly in the workplace for a myriad of different reasons that are wrong, that is injustice happening. When somebody is not given a position, even though they merit getting that position, but because of the color of their skin, or maybe they're a woman and they wanted a man in there, or they're a man and they wanted a woman in there, uh, that is not just. That's injustice going on. When whole tribes are being placed on reservations, and are living below poverty level for generations. That is injustice. When the best land was taken away from them unjustly, even though there was a treaty that was given to their tribe, and those tribes had every treaty broken, imaginable. That is injustice. So when you ask questions or we ask the question, what should the church do in times of injustice? Because the church of God should be doing what the prophet Micah told us to do 24-7, not only in protest to what happened the horrible thing that happened to George Floyd. This is what Micah says in chapter 6 and verse 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your. What do we do in times of injustice, we that have been deposited with the Holy Spirit of God that gives us the power to live pleasing to God, because you and I cannot do this on our own merit. We cannot do this by our own strength. We cannot do it in fleshly, you know, ability and by fleshly capability. I might be able to do a little something, something, but I cannot live pleasing to God, and I cannot live justly and live and show mercy and love mercy and constantly walk humbly unless the Holy Spirit is at work in my life. Now, I'm going to tell you 
why I'm saying that this is important that we understand these stories as it was given to us in three different versions, you know, by Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and Jesus calming the storm. Remember that before the storm, there was transition. Now, transition came when coronavirus hit. We've had all sorts of things, all sorts of viruses, all sorts of terrible um, sicknesses and viruses and even different strains of the flu that have hit around the world, never in the history of the world have we gone to a place or come to a place where now we are, we are forcing people to wear masks, even with Ebola. Ebola was a big threat. Ebola was wiping people out. Forget it. If somebody got Ebola, if they came down with Ebola virus, that was a much worse, far worse thing to have, have happened to them than coronavirus because we know that coronavirus, even though many people have died because of coronavirus, and then again, many people have, have had it written on their death certificate that they died from coronavirus, but we know, and I'm not going to get into this, that a lot of people have had written on their death certificate, you know, coronavirus, and not everybody that died really died from coronavirus. They could have died from a myriad of different things, but it was put down coronavirus. But that's another whole story. We're not getting into that. But still, no matter what had happened, no matter what plague, no matter what sickness, no matter what disease, never has so many people around the world been told to wear a mask, shelter in, quarantine, cool down, stay in your houses, and then continue to wear masks. When you go out to the store, you can't even go to a store now. You can't even purchase something, at least most of us cannot, until you have a mask on. So we're in a different day, okay? We're in a different season. We have transitioned. And nobody listening to this message can tell me, reassure me, when we're going to be told that now you you don't have to any longer wear a mask to do something, to go into a store, to purchase something for a visit, or to see someone in the hospital. Nobody can reassure me. So we have already transitioned. But 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 what I believe God is trying to get us to do, I'm talking to the believers now specifically, he is trying to get us focused on him. Stop focusing on what everybody else is doing and focus on him. Because at the end of the day, yes, you know, there was an article in Christianity Today that, you know, Christianity has no answer for coronavirus. So God and and the people that follow God, we have no recourse. You know, God has He's God stays in His box, and Christianity must stay in her box, and it has nothing to do. So, in other words, we're not supposed to even know why God may have allowed coronavirus. 
I was even told by one young man that I was very irresponsible to even suggest the coronavirus could have come as a consequence to outright rebellion to Holy God. I won't even get into that. But let's just leave that alone. Let's just talk about where we are right now. Where we are, we're already here. Whether we like it or whether we don't like it, we're already here. All of us are here. And so we are transitioning. Whose boat are we going to get into? Now, I know with this George Floyd thing, and it was horrible what happened to him, I think nobody in their right mind could think what we saw had happened to him of course, that was, in, that was a clear example of injustice because you've got somebody who's supposed to represent the law doing the most horrific thing. But then again, now what, why, do, why do so many people in the church think that, okay, now we've got to do what the world is doing? The world is protesting. Okay, well, I protest about a lot of things the world is doing, not only about them killing George Floyd. I protest a lot of injustices. Where are all these people of God protesting out in the street the horrific things that are happening on a daily basis? A lot of these church people are MIA. They're nowhere to be found when a lot of us are protesting injustices that are going on on a daily basis. One example is the shedding of innocent blood going on daily, even doing the quote-unquote horrific COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. While that is going on and all of these other businesses are closed, don't you know abortion facilities are wide open and conducting business, killing babies like, like nobody's business? I don't see the, the, the church crowd be very careful. Be very careful. There was a demonstration here in the Bronx recently, less than a month ago, where a lot of church people, and I'm going to say it, went out into the street, and they were saying all of the different chants that black, black Lives Matter chants, Black Lives Matter chants, stuff like this. We want change. We want justice. We want peace. So, so this church group of about 40 churches or more got out into the street and were chanting, we are the church. We want justice. We are the church. We want peace. We are the church. We want change. My question was, who in the world were they expecting to get peace, change, and justice from? If I'm going to go out in the street and say loudly and put my fist up that I want change, I want peace, I want justice, who am I talking to? Because if I want peace, I'm talking to God. I want change, I'm talking to God. If I want justice, 
I'm going to talk to the one that created justice. There is no justice outside of the one who created justice, the just God. That's the only one that we're going to get justice, real justice from. We do not get justice from a Marxist group. You don't want me to get into it because I don't have time to get into what Marxism is. Go and Google what Marxism means because the leaders of Black Lives Matter are Marxists. They don't deny it. They don't hide it. At least they're being honest and saying what they're about. I, as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, am not a Marxist. I'm a Christian. So why do I need to put in my mouth the words of a Marxist. Of course, we all like the phrase, the three words, black lives matter, because black lives do matter. But all black lives matter. I would be the biggest hypocrite to not care about all black lives. I like this quote that was from Ayan. Isi Ali, Ayan Idisi Ali, a Somali-born Dutch-American female activist that poses a very good question. Now, she asked this question. Why does a black life matter only when a white man takes it? Like if a white man takes my life tonight, it's going to be national news. But if a black man, my life, it might not even be spoken of. Hello? People of God, quote again the words of Micah. If I am living justly, I don't need to prove a point to the neighborhood or to church members about what I feel about what happened to George Floyd. Because if I'm living justly, if I am trying to walk humbly before my God, to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly in front of the Lord and in front of my brothers and sisters, they're not going to wonder what I thought or what I think about the killing of George Floyd. They're going to know it automatically because my whole life is a witness and a testament that, of course, I'm, I don't have to prove a point. I don't have to go out there and march. I don't have to wear something on my shirt. Because to me, I'm a Christian first. Lives matter. Black lives matter. Brown lives matter. Yellow lives matter. Red lives matter. Unborn lives developing in their mommy's lives matter. Old lives matter. All those black lives that were killed after George Floyd because of the rioters rioting and killing people senselessly, their lives matter. Whose vote and who are you following in the first place? We don't have a long time to get this right. 
this is a critical time that you and I are living in. We better be about our father's business. We should be following him. Now, I'm going to give you an example. When my daughter was little and we went out someplace, sometimes, you know, little children, they like to be on their own. They don't want to hold your hand right then. They want to feel a little bit of independence. So what they do, they, they, they try to walk on their own. So what I did as, as a good mommy, thank God, by the grace of God and him teaching me, and also my learning from my mom, who was an excellent mother, I would let Deborah, who is my daughter, walk in front of me. If she's going to walk on her own, she is not walking behind me. She's either walking, holding my hand, or she's walking in front of me. Because I have to see what she's doing, where she's going, who she's with. I've got to see her. Because she was little. Let me tell you what Jesus did. Jesus, when he got into the boat, he stayed at the stern. You remember I said this at the beginning of the, of the message. He stayed at the stern. Where is the stern? The stern is at the rear of the boat. It keeps the water out. Why were the disciples so concerned? Because, number one, if anybody was going to get drowned first, it would have been Jesus. Hello, somebody. He was sleeping at the rear in the stern. The water is going to come first at the stern. That's the place it's going to get most of it. Stern is meant to keep the water out. He's sleeping at the stern. I'm sure there was water there, but he's sleeping. But their eyes were not on Jesus. Their eyes were on the water, just like what happened to the apostle Peter. When Jesus, in another story, had said, Lord, call me to come out and walk on the water with you. And Jesus said, hey, let's go. Let's do it. Let's roll. Come on out. I got you. And Peter was doing pretty good till he began to look at the water. Did you see the connection between that story and this story? He took his eyes off of Jesus and began to look at the water, and that's when he started to drop into the water. And then the Lord had to extend his hand and get him out of the water. Before he was just looking at Jesus, he was walking on the water fine. In these days, I would encourage you, keep your eyes on Jesus who's in the stern. Okay, right now he's not in a physical boat, but he is inside by his Holy Spirit. He has deposited his Holy Spirit to live inside of you. So keep your eyes on what he is doing. Be led of the Holy Spirit, not led by some Pharisee or Sadducee that don't know what they're doing. They're not being Holy Spirit led. So they've got to put on a costume to let the world know that they, they are a Christian. And of course, the world is not convinced by you putting on a Christian costume. The world is going to know that you and I are Christians by the way we conduct business, people of God. Come on. Those people that are living in abomination and perversity that claim to be, you know, ministers, they wear that costume. You don't need to wear the same costume. Are you kidding me? Lastly, because I've only got like five minutes, Jesus demands. 
that we live fearless. What happened with all of these people in the churches? What happened to the blood of Jesus and Christ's provisions for healing? With many in the church, it appears as if that went out of the window and coronavirus came in, along with common sense and faith in God. Come on. You even have some churches that are testing. They opened up their church and let testing for COVID go into the sanctuary. This is defiling the house of God. Are you kidding me? Why would you allow testing for COVID when you've got hospitals, you've got schools that are closed in our city that have so much more room for testing, and you're going to open up your church building? to do COVID testing, I didn't even plan to mention this. But the Spirit of God will not let me keep quiet. This is ridiculous. Somebody needs to speak the truth. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says it like this. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not perfected. They have not been perfected in love. If you're walking around fearful, I'm not asking you to be, you know, careless. I'm not asking you, I'm not telling you wear a mask, don't wear a mask. That's not for me to tell you. You be led of the Holy Spirit. But I would tell you, God has not given us a spirit of fear. And I see too many people that claim to be Christians living in fear. That's not of God. God did not tell you and me to go around walking in fear. One seven says, for God has not given a spirit of fear. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Transition. We're not going back, folks. We are not going back. This is no longer business as usual. Transition and follow. Make sure that you are following Jesus. Be fearless in your pursuit of God. The first category that's going to go to hell, unbelieving and the fearful, before the witchcraft workers, for the idolaters, the murderers, the first category that's going to split hell wide open are those that are fearful. That, that's not God. That's not God putting fear on you. So confess that and confess Jesus because in him there is no fear. God bless you. May the spirit of God Embrace you, envelop you, lead and guide you. Christ, in the midst, crisis, will take you safely from here to glory with him. No fear. Keep your eyes on the prize. And his name is Jesus. The Lord bless you until we meet again. God bless you. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.